This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. As the human toll of war between Israel and Hamas mounts, what's the role of all those U.S. weapons that appears to be contributing to bloodshed on both sides? Cato's Jordan Cohen has studied weapons transfers from the United States and argues that assuring U.S. weapons don't fall into the wrong hands is a long-term problem, and it's overdue for a reckoning. I think no matter which side you take, if you take a side in the fight between Israel and Hamas in Gaza and in Israel, the what's come out of there is just, it's horrific. And there's no way to look at this war that is unfolding there and not think this is just a, a, a horrible tragedy. And for the US, when thinking about policy, of course, there have been you know people standing up and suggesting, hey, we, look, we stand with Israel. There are people who have stood up and, and said, look at all the civilian casualties in Gaza, and couldn't this have been avoided? And the United States, for its part, there are weapons being used on both sides of this conflict that are U.S. weapons. And so you would think, and you and I were discussing this you know, offline last week, that Shouldn't that cause some sort of reckoning for U.S. policymakers when it comes to what we do with the weapons that the United States transfers abroad? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, to a certain extent, it's not surprising Israel uses U.S. weapons. They are one of the top weapons recipients year after year. And it, it makes sense, especially when it comes to missiles and some of the air defense that it uses, as well as just things like firearms and ammunition, it, it makes sense that Israel has U.S. weapons. What has been more surprising to people, I think, is that Hamas is using U.S. weapons. So far, it's been identified that the M4A1 carbine, which is an automatic rifle mainly used by U.S. Special Forces, is in the hands of Hamas. It seems right now like Hamas has received those weapons, those firearms, from the Taliban, that seems to be kind of that is the affiliated group that would have access to those weapons. They also have access to the Hamas tunnels and Hamas has gotten weapons that way. And this isn't to say that Hamas is mainly using U.S. weapons. At the end of the day, most of Hamas's rockets come from Iran and Syria. But the fact that they have M4A1 carbines is somewhat concerning. It's also concerning because if they do have weapons from the Taliban, while it will be impossible to transport like a Black Hawk helicopter through those tunnels, they can transfer things like anti-tank missiles that were used in Afghanistan that were left for the Taliban. And then when Israel starts its real ground invasion and really commits, that's going to be a problem. So for U.S. policymakers, you know, it's, it's very easy to say that you stand on the side of civilization. You stand for not killing civilians. It's a it's a very that's a very easy thing to say. But to the extent the U.S. has made these decisions many years ago to over and above being involved in directly in wars, as in the case of Afghanistan, where you said some of the weapons that Hamas is using have, have came from. Is there any sense that there is this reckoning going on with regard to weapons transfers so that we are not arming people inappropriately. 
I mean, unfortunately, it's a story as old as time, or at least as old as since the U.S. started sending weapons to other places after the Second World War. We saw it in Colombia in the 90s, where the Colombian police forces were using weapons against U.S. trainers that were U.S. weapons. We've seen it throughout the Middle East. There's rumors, and these have not been as well substantiated as the M4A1 carbine rumors, but that Russia has sent weapons to Hamas that they took from the conflict in Ukraine. I don't know if that's true, but it, it would not be entirely surprising, just given that this is what happens. Loose weapons get in the hands of bad guys, and bad guys turn those loose weapons and give them to other bad guys, which I know seems like a simplistic story, but it's a story that keeps happening. And I think for the U.S., because it's really scary and it's newsworthy for about 24 hours when a U.S. weapon is used to kill a U.S. soldier or a, an ally soldier. But after 24 hours, everybody forgets about it and we move on to the next discussion point. So unfortunately, I think that this is bad. This is more evidence that U.S. weapons transfers that aren't carefully looked after can end up in the wrong hands. But I, I'm not sure there's going to be significant policy change stemming from it. One other element here that I think you're sensitive to, but most people probably don't think very much about, which is weapons are fungible, right? So if there's weapons left over in Afghanistan, the Taliban may decide, well, we've got what we need. So the extra goes to over here. And to the extent that the U.S. is engaging in weapons transfers, the idea that even though a weapon might not have been a U.S. weapon used to kill a, a civilian somewhere, it's still of concern because the extra weapons that some nefarious group has, has handed over to Hamas has, you know, the only reason they made that decision is because they've got plenty of U.S. weapons. Right. And I mean, in the case of the Taliban, a lot of those weapons they got, they actually sold or they gave to warlords in the country in Afghanistan in order to A, strengthen the Afghan economy and B, create stability and let them rule. But there's a lot of other weapons, to your point, that they have just given for free to Hamas or given at a discount to Hamas. And they can do that to other organizations too. Right now, the one we have the most evidence for is Hamas. But it would not be surprising if other groups that have some affiliation with the Taliban have also received these weapons. And that's a big problem, right? That weapon for an ally that the U.S. assumes is going to be used for good purposes may stay used for good purposes. I, I think, frankly, while there has been weapons dispersion in Ukraine, generally speaking, the weapons the U.S. has sent have been used by Ukrainians for the purposes that the U.S. sent them. But those dispersed weapons, those weapons that Ukraine lost track of or that the U.S. lost track of on the way to Ukraine, there's no way to check who's using those weapons and for what. And that's going to be a concern in Ukraine. It was a concern in Afghanistan. And I think, frankly, it's going to be a concern in this conflict in Gaza because Israel also has a lot of U.S. weapons. And at the end of the day, there's going to be Israelis that die, like soldiers that die, and then their weapons could very well be taken by Hamas or whatever other organization they're fighting at at the time. So if U.S. policymakers were to wake up tomorrow and didn't want to in any way own foreign conflicts 
in which the United States is not directly involved and wanted to make sure that U.S. weapons were, for the most part, secure, what would that compel them to do? Or, or at least what would be step one of that, that taking seriously that risk? Yeah, I think if you look at since the start of the Obama administration, the U.S. has sold weapons to 169 different countries and counting countries that have received weapons, but that have not bought them from the U.S. So like for from security assistance, I think that number is close to 180 countries. And at the end of the day, what that means is that the United States does need to reckon with the reality that it just does not have the ability to send weapons to every country and then manage what those countries do with those weapons. And to, to that extent, it means taking seriously what countries are going to be the biggest risks for weapons dispersion and then potentially stop giving weapons to those countries. Now, when it comes to preventing the weapons that have already been sent from getting dispersed, I, I think it's a lose-lose situation. I don't think there's a real way that the United States can do that. But I do think there's a real way that the United States can prevent it from happening in the future. And to that end, it does mean taking seriously what should the U.S. role be in this conflict? Because at the end of the day, there is going to be weapons dispersion. And the U.S. needs to be very clear with Israel about here's the the here's our red line here's where we will not support you anymore and therefore here are the weapons we're willing to send you and then potentially doing what they've done with countries like india or even nigeria which is adding an extra layer of ostensibly weapons tracking right making sure those weapons are being used correctly and if they are lost being able to identify that those weapons have been lost rather than just having no idea about it Jordan Cohen is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute and co-author of Cato's Arms Sales Risk Index. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please. And thank you for listening.